You're listening to Artists of Late Capitalism, a raw, radical, and at times amusing podcast, born out of a deep, sincere desire to discuss the perennial role of the artist, the perils faced by the arts in our historical era, late capitalism, and what modern producers of the arts are doing about it within a wide range of creative disciplines. We'll explore the ways that the new digital landscape is affecting culture and how artists are staying true to their craft and their sense of what it is that an artist does on behalf of society and culture. To keep a sense of magic and possibility alive, we'll also explore the role of instinct and soul in finding and staying true to the artist path. I'm your host, Annalise Oatman, a licensed psychotherapist, writer, and creator of radical healing and educational spaces outside of my therapy office. If you're interested in learning more about my work, feel free to sign up for a pre-order of my new book, Heal Your Witch Wound, at joyfulcreatrix.com slash book pre-order, or check out deeperwelltherapy.com or joyfulcreatrix.com slash work with me. Now, on to the show. Today, my guest is Sabrina Ward Harrison. Sabrina is an artist and author and the creator of five published books of her journals, the first one being published at age 23 called Spilling Open, The Art of Becoming Yourself. She offers workshops and courses for fellow creative souls, including a wonderful course called Liberate, within which she teaches her process for creating soulful, heartfelt, visual art books and her process for allowing visual artwork to flow from deep, true, raw, and soulful writing. Her Full Color Life program is starting in just one week from the time this episode was recorded. So if you'd like to learn from Sabrina, please check that out. You can find her at truelivingexperience.info or at sabrinawardharrison.info. You can also follow her on Instagram at Sabrina Ward Harrison to stay up to date on what she's working on. Speaking with Sabrina gave me the feeling that this one life is so precious and now's the time to show up fully and to deeply engage with the miracle and mystery of life in whatever ways life is calling each of us in this moment. I hope you enjoy. Maybe as we start, I I felt moved to um, share with you a tiny little blurb that I wrote in um, in Liberate in the the workshop that that. you were leading (laughs) as a sort of as a blessing on you um, as we step into the space of this conversation. Um, I wrote on my walls, I would write, come exactly as you are, love, come with your hair and knots your perceived flaws and imperfections, all the places you feel unfinished. You are a Buddha just as you are right now. Oh, that's nice. beautiful. <laughs> I thought it, se- it seemed weirdly perfect that I was, yeah. I was going through my journals and found it this morning. So I thought I would use that to start our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How are you this morning, this afternoon? I'm doing well. I'm I'm working on the final revision of my current book project. I think I mentioned it in, I may have mentioned it offhand in, in your Liberate yeah, workshop. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning that 
you know, the, the first draft for me came out really fast. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm the speediest writer ever. And, um, and now, at least for the kind of book I'm writing right now, um, the final revision feels like this really deep, refining process of sort of stitching it back sentence by sentence to the original vision and ensuring a kind of faithfulness to that, but also um, also refining everything to my current understanding and, and where mm-hmm. I am now. And it, I just didn't know it would be so deep um, yeah. that it would feel laborious still at this stage. But that's what I've been doing today and um, I'm going to continue after our conversation. I feel um, it's like this almost angsty pleasure pain of just like being with the book at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I'm enjoying it and I feel so grateful to have the opportunity to and the time to do that. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like I can't wait for it to be finished. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, the waking up and being like, and there's still this element mm-hmm. in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been, um, I'm just learning it as I go. And um, it's, there's so much. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this with your first book, but. It just feels like there's so much that you learn as you go about the process. And I'm thinking, you know, for future books, it'll I'll probably feel more familiar with, with these phases. But mm-hmm. um, for this one, it's like, oh, my God, okay, so there's another huge push. And then hopefully we'll be ready to be born into the world. But, um, what do you have the title for it? Right now, the title is Heal Your Witch Wound. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah. So, kind of um, details some of, I guess, the, the way that I would um, write about it or speak about it now, based on my current understanding, is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Marion Woodman, are you? Mm-hmm. It's a familiar name. Yeah, she she was a Jungian analyst, and she did a lot of work around feminine consciousness and um, bringing the feminine to consciousness and, and the feminine soul, if you will. And um, it feels like the book really details a series of experiences that I went through as I was starting to find that for myself but not really having the language for it yet and um and my understanding of it now is that it's this really delicate part of me that the best word I can think of for it is soul um or feminine soul that receives the visions for these different creative projects and also kind of holds me to um a certain standard with them or a certain kind of faithfulness with them Um, Mm. to not get pulled off track by all these other voices or, or forces that would um, 
you know, tell me that it needs to be this way or like this is this will make it marketable or something. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So important. Yeah. 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 I'm curious if you have had that kind of experience with your creative projects or if there's a part of you that um that resonates with that or I mean I don't know what language you use if you would call it soul or the gentle voice at the center of your life to use John O'Donohue's language Mm -hmm. um, and how that plays into your creative process and um, the faithfulness to the projects as you're as you're loving them into being and bringing them into the world yeah that's so much about um it's like that making what you most need to find and that that kind of on that experiential level so much to me about creating is the experience of creating has to be has to feel vivid and alive and that sometimes has to be the environment I'm in and I kind of feel like I keep returning to nature for that and light Mm. for that um I think I think primarily a big big shift was when I when about 2005 2006 and that probably when social media was the year I think the iPhone came out around then before the idea of like taking pictures with your phone and and documenting everything and immediately getting a reaction to it right. so before then and I went to live in the central California coast um, north of Santa Cruz south of San Francisco and there was no cell phone reception reception there and that was the beginning of I'd already published four, uh, four of my four four of my books by then I was 20 28 maybe mm-hmm. 27 and uh just realized I just needed to let it rip. I just needed to mm. like live hard and wild and <laughs> full. And like I had this old Mazda Miata that had, the roof had flown off. I'd gotten on Craigslist and the roof had flown off on the 101 freeway. And it was just like this <laughs> crazy. And I just drove it and drank tequila, not at the same time, <laughs> but, and, and uh, smoked spliffs and just like lived up in this old one room schoolhouse and just oh like, wow really felt like I I was aware that my life couldn't be like that forever but I I had from a young age really been in this place of producing and sharing and opening and I kind of needed to just absorb life absorb like the world around me happening and the natural world around me happening, the mm. light happening, and the ocean happening, and the sky, and the textures of the the uh, artichokes and the artichoke <laughs> and Brussels sprout fields, mm. and um, it was really profound. And I think you know, people. I think it was just before Instagram had started, and Facebook was getting it going. And I'm really grateful that for those years I lived that way, mm. and. Um, without a sense of, I mean, there was a deeper feeling of this project sort of coming forth in me that, you know, will probably be the continue to be my whole life. And it's called mm. the true living project. And that kind of continues to expand and it became the name of my company. Oh. But, but it's really that, that when I look back at my life, I see that the source of that, 
that 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 well I can pull from are those kinds of experiences that I have to make space to have happen. And I think it is more and more very challenging to do in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. I, I'm just, I get a sense of um, deep engagement with mm-hmm. life and the textures of life and the colors and light and changing light and, being so immersed in that and um, instead of the the hyper-mediated world of (laughs) of Mm -hmm. social media yeah yeah and I remember just like there was just there was always felt like I was I felt like I was living a fable like I had these experiences Mm -hmm. where I'm like like living out there and then there was some guy who came and worked on the property I was renting this little cottage and some guy named Troy had this big beard and he like had five kids and then decided, I'm just going to go live in the Redwoods. He lived in a lazy boy chair in the Redwoods <laughs> with a small dog that had the same name as him. So it was Troy and his like Jack Russell named Troy. Oh and God. it just would be like these people. And he would he'd tell stories and he helped me put this. He brought me a bathtub from the dump that we put outside the, and then drilled oh. a hole through the wall of my bathroom so I could take these baths outside. Oh. And, and his dog helped you know, build, the, dig the hole. Russell and just like I I've just digitized all that footage from those years and I just um kind of held on to it for years and it's been over a decade and uh wow just think I still feel there's a preciousness about that preciousness and like a rugged radness I think rugged radness (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I just I think that's that's what I I turn to yeah. And I want to give that experience in its own form through the t- the way I teach and the way I create experiences or help set the tone for experiences for people to have their own moments of kind of rugged, ra- rugged radness. <laughs> I've never used that phrase. Hashtag rugged radness. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to evoke that kind of uh, ex- ex- true living experience. Yeah, true living experience. Yeah, I get, I keep getting all these beautiful images flashing through my mind as I listen to you. It's, um, it's like a montage of gorgeous photographs, and maybe partially because um, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of some photographs of yours that I've seen. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I think maybe I've seen that bathtub. Um, yeah. Yeah. God, that was a good time. And I just didn't have, there was no one out there. I mean, there's just no one out there. And I had these braids, ribbon ribbon, and yarn braided into my hair. And they would just go <laughs> flying off as I'm driving on this, this Mazda Miata. And <laughs> I had, there was no sound. Like I had these jet blue, it was back, I had a Discman, literally a, those yellow Sony Discman. Oh, yeah. With like jet blue free earphones. And then... <laughs> my like winter hat to go over them to help me keep the so I could actually hear the sound I'd just be driving listen to like Alan Watts oh, rad. it was so great <laughs> I so, love it yeah and that was the year I discovered John O'Donohue it was right around that time and then discovered 
and then him passing and it was like that one oh. feeling like that's the one person i wanted to meet in my life oh my one God. soul i would like to sit down with and just that like i just missed him you know that because oh, he died yeah. so suddenly but that was the being being introduced to that that beautiful beautiful elegant voice of homecoming mm. yeah there's a feeling of homecoming mm-hmm. listening to his voice you can tell he's speaking from heart and soul and yeah there's just something that it's like it puts your nervous system at ease to be in the presence of someone or hear the voice of someone who is speaking from that place or who's on board with their soul's journey Um, right yeah it just I keep feeling this theme of of deep engagement with life it it reminds me actually of the quote at the bottom of your emails Um, I don't want to just be a visitor. I want to yeah. actually have been here. And yes, um, and I feel that thread in your work too. Um, it's difficult to articulate, but it feels like there's a beautiful way in which um, some of the more tender or even difficult aspects of being human are are really gently illuminated in the work. Um, and shown to be somehow mysteriously, inextricably connected to the, the joy and the wild aliveness. And um, I, I feel like that's really the, the gift of your work is that you are able to distill that somehow for people. And, and it's, it's a needed reminder. Mm. Thank you. That's that means a lot to me. Yeah. yeah. What's an example of that for you? Would you say? Mm, it's hard to think of a specific example, but I um, I'm pretty familiar with your your books, your journals, and um, it's it's just similarly. It's like a I can see a montage of some of the the photographs and images of people that are just. Um, you know, like with their hearts to the wind or mm-hmm. feeling the sea wind and the sunshine with eyes closed and just this kind of images of people just wide open and alive. Yeah. yeah. Next to vibrant colors and, and spilling ink and tender, true words about what it's like to be human. Um and it's all brought together so beautifully and in a way that I had never seen anyone else do before. And I think um, within that that kind of elixir that's distilled then in your work, um, it feels like just uh, a living reminder that this is precious. This time is precious. This life is precious. And um, I'm sorry, I know I'm not giving you a specific no, it's example, beautiful. but no, um, I'm, it's you're painting the images in my mind. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's what, and that's an interesting thing, creating work that's difficult to articulate the world for so many years. Like, what's your <laughs> book about? Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, mixed media, um, uh, <laughs> life. It's about life. It's just, oh, it is so, it's interesting. Yeah, putting the, but just what you said, I'm like, that speaks my language, what you're saying, what you were mm-hmm. saying is just, yeah. Uh-huh. When, to go out, I remember I have this note I kept, I kept my bulletin board. This is a note I'd said to myself. It's a note for class. It's a, <laughs> like a note for the students. And it said, number one, go outside. Number two, <laughs> collect some stuff. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's on the note. <laughs> Basically, that sums it up. <laughs> I love it. True living project, class one. Yes, just pay attention, collect some weird, collect some stuff that's in the. Just pay. Yeah, I mean it's deeper than that, but it's really is. If you let, if you stay open to the mystery and let it become, like mm-hmm. you are inside of letting the story happen. I mean, all the mm-hmm. phrases I say, like the story is happening, and um, and I think that's why the courses I teach come from that well of. Of, of breaking through in that way to a full color life to liberate and, and having known, you know, dark stuff too and dark times and, you know, mm. immovable times mm-hmm. that have to be there too. That was, that's part of our stories too when living that all the way through. Yeah. And just staying open through all of it, not, not allowing the hard times to, to close us. Yes. The ongoing yes to life, to this right. experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. How old are you right now? I'm 33. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird time. <laughs> I guess life is always a weird time. And are you married or have any kids? I have a partner and we have talked about marriage and we're kind of consider ourselves to be married, but we're like, should we go to the courthouse? I don't know. And no kids right now. Um, Yeah. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It feels like sort of a pivotal time. Right. In some ways. Um, Yeah. I mean, just speaking of life and time and deep engagement with life, I was was also thinking as I was listening to you um, that it doesn't matter what stage of life we're at or even what moment in history we're living in, that it feels like there's always going to be a series of distractions or an onslaught of things that are pulling us away from from deep engagement with life and it could be internal or external um like there's always some reason there's always some excuse not to go jump into the river or whatever it is um right and it it just feels like the theme of our conversation is this reminder that it's happening now like you said the story is happening now yeah and um, like even in this moment, this is our appointment with life. Mm-hmm. And um, it really feels like a constant practice in some ways to 
sort of sift and sort through what's really important right now and what's not and what are the things internal and external that are preventing me from my appointment with life or um, holding me back from fully staying open to my appointment with life today right um, and remembering the preciousness of this short time that I get to be here Right, right. It's always something. That's a challenge, I think, with technology is like how interwoven we have. We don't have to be, but we have. We have become the effects. That's what drives me crazy is when that affects affects my living experience because I'm somehow dependent upon something to do with a technological challenge. You know, mm-hmm. of something not working or not connecting or something. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm does. trying to be in the moment. I'm trying to be in the moment, but somehow I'm relying on something that feels like it has the power over me. Yeah, yeah, it does. It reminds me of um, there's a quote from Jung's last um, his last book. I can't. I don't remember it verbatim, but it's something like. He says, all haste is of the devil, and um, he describes his wariness about new technology, and he wrote something like, um, for example, speedier communications, which paradoxically flood the temple of life, leaving us with less time than ever before. And I Mm. just love that. The temple of life is getting flooded with all this stuff it's like i don't know just the proliferation of different channels of communication that we're supposed to be checking constantly <laughs> that could take up your entire day staying yeah staying on top of all of it um and that can time can just go swooshing by when you're trying to stay on top of things and then you're not really experiencing it all yeah. the way yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess that, that points to the, you know, ongoing importance of your work and any work that reminds people um, of the perennial importance of just being here and just letting go of the stuff that's getting in the way. Nothing could be more important than um, and fully engaging with life and taking your shoes off and feeling the yeah. terrain. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I'm so grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful to be reminded of it in this conversation. Yeah. Like before I, before the call, I had to, to run out and um, get something that was on the front porch. Some mail had come and just running out. In, I was just in a sweater and I didn't really have on this is probably too much information I didn't have like it was just like a long sweater that really I should have had pants on too but I didn't <laughs> but I just barefooted and I running through this and it was raining out it's summer storm had just come through and the wet concrete and the little stones and the dirt and just running barefoot in that around the corner to get the mail and just thinking like god it feels good to be in the rain kind of running with just you know, just like that feeling of like getting caught in the rain in the summertime, oh. barefooted and 
you know, getting, it just felt like that wonderful little moment of texture and, um, mm. yeah, just a little, just little things like that where you're in, you're just in your life for that little moment in a little bit more present way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, well, I'm curious, um, I'm curious to know more about what the True Living Project is. I mean, it kind of, I get the sense listening to you that it's, um, that it's both a creative project and it's life. It's the project mm -hmm. of engaging with life in, the, in this way. Um, but I'd love to hear more about, about what that is to you. To me, it's like it, it's make, I call it made by, for, and with. And it's an homage to living um, and what the stories we came from, the land we came from. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a series of, of projects like that I want to make, um, make kind of almost open source, like make them the kind of thing where people can do these projects and wherever they are in the world and like there's something I want to do called a sleep like a sleep concert like music to sleep to outside like you camping and sleeping but there's like piano music happening and like a Ooh. symphony happening at night oh, through cool. the night <laughs> I love that <laughs> and then this like studio like platform um that we're like collaborating with people who are architects and experimental projects where it's like a fold down studio that turns into this like big projection like it folds down and it can be a platform to perform on in the field where you wouldn't even see and then it would fold up and you could project films against it in the field oh, wow and uh there's just like it's it's um and then of course the the courses that come out of the the like i think what i what i teach and how I collaborate on pro different projects, but it's a, to me, I was wanting to make it as a place that was um, kind of a live, living, working model, as I said, model of possibility, living, working model of possibility. So it would be filled with like, mm. um, there'd be f big fires outside, but also like, this was back in 2008 before like podcasts are really a thing, but podcasts would be being recorded and films would be being made and there'd be like a big production space but also just like a big communal kitchens and um, recipe books happening out of the things being created and the food growing on the land and it was wow. just this, <laughs> so I built this like map of the place in this three-dimensional like collage place mm -hmm. and um, it's and it now feels like it could be I like the idea of people creating it in all different parts of the world in their own, in different mm. places, but a place for people to come to. And um, even as a company, like if you're a small company or you were where you could come and have deeper conversations and truer conversations and real experiences that would then result with a deeper connection to your humanity, but then also the deeper work you're wanting to put in the world. Mm. Oh, so. so cool. And then there'd be an invention barn and there'd be oh, yeah. dress ups, dress up costumes for like dress yeah. up. Oh my God. So costumes <laughs> for exploring. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting. It's yeah, I made this like um yeah, I made this it it's in the yeah, it's just it's a whole it's a whole deal. So um it's it's kind of just a life works project. So it's we'll see the next steps of it and who who the collaborators will be. But I want to make it something that feels um accessible for everyone to come kind of enjoy or be inspired by to create things from and oh. yeah I love that <laughs> oh wow it's like it's like you're inviting people into the true living that um you know, is distilled in your work, but it's mm -hmm. becoming this living actual space for people to step into. Yeah. To live that out. And I can see that so easily becoming artwork or, um, you know, becoming whatever people need to do or need to make in that space. Um, it almost reminds me a little of, um, I've never been to Burning Man. <laughs> right. I haven't either, but. Elements of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I always got a feeling from Burning Man, like maybe one of the things that people adore so much about it is that this other more beautiful world is created outside of the, you know, normal life schedules of all the people yeah. who go and that each person is invited to somehow bring their gift or their true work. Right. Right. in that space and it's just I mean it's such a beautiful vision yeah minus the sand right the, hot, the heat <laughs> and the sand I was, I was like I would just get sand everywhere and be hot yeah and I'm just not that girl that's can rock that <laughs> the whole situation out I'd be like, this is overstimulating <laughs> yeah I remember the, the editor, the publisher, the not Naya McAvoy, who owns Chronicle Books, saying to me, um, he's a friend of mine, when I was back in San Francisco living, and I had my braids in my hair, and, and people would say, you so should be at Burning Man. And she, he's like, she doesn't need to because she is Burning Man or something, like Burning <laughs> <Yeah>. Woman. <laughs> I am a walking festival. Yeah, the walking festival. <laughs> I'm a walking fest. Did you say a walking festival? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a lyric from um, a friend of mine was in a band years ago. I think he's still in it, but there's a line um, in one of his songs that goes, She's a little walking festival. That's what I thought of. Um, so I don't, I'm picturing like softer, grassier terrain somehow, like for getting barefooted. And yes, yes, yes. Some shade. Yeah. Yeah, and big oak trees and pine mm. trees. And... Yeah. And I think there should definitely be one in Italy. And oh. yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that unfolds. So but for now, what I think, I mean, my deep passion is right now creating, helping people get, get free and get, get grounded and get free to make, make the deeper work um, they need to make in the world. Mm. And uh, the truer, the truer, 
truest work in the and really enjoy it not like i'm mm-hmm. going to do this but like let it just sing through you mm. so i feel the course i created full color life is that and liberate mm-hmm. too i think through the process of that but i've really it's been fun to create something that is just about getting into the yummy fullness and richness of expression mm-hmm. and finding um, connections between color and memory and um, mm-hmm. so that the work you're making is not like, oh, I just like this color. I'm going to use this. I mean, it's like, <laughs> let's find those colors and what, what stories do they come from in your own life? Mm-hmm. So yeah. this idea of creating a, like a life palette is really interesting to me. Yeah, a life palette. I love that. Yeah, it reminds me of um, in when I was in your Liberate course, as you know, obviously I was there. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, the prompts that you were, the little writing prompts that you were giving I was able to go so deep so mm-hmm. fast with those prompts in just three minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it wasn't like, you know, if you were to just look at the prompts on the surface, it doesn't look like I'm going to write something super deep and profound. Yeah. With this. Like you don't know where it's going to go. Um, but somehow those, those um, simple questions were the perfect doorway or the perfect like spot to land to start to go deep somehow. And I don't know how you <laughs> chose them or if that, if mm-hmm. you somehow just have a sense of that. Um, but it, it really opened up something new in my writing, honestly, just working with little prompts like that, even in just a little stretch of three or so minutes. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. It, it feels like it's a kind of a col- emotional collaging of, of yeah. yeah, prompting. Yeah. There's, a, there's an intention. And I, I never, I tried to do, to go get really quiet and intuitive about it before I, before each session so that they're, I don't know, I let, I let them come to me. And there's so much, so much about the sequencing of them too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. kind of come in sideways. Yeah, things that you're like, oh, that's, you wouldn't think you could write so much about a sweater, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> I can get you there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was amazed by that. I ended up writing about a um a party dress that I used to wear when I was a little girl. That um, it was. It was this little party dress that had a a little lace collar that had the words happy birthday embroidered into it. And I wanted to wear it every day. I didn't care if it was someone's birthday or not. That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What did you like about the dress? Do you remember? Do you like just the embroidery on it? Um, I thought it was beautiful and... I didn't know why we had to save our beautiful things for parties only. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Um, And there was something just tender about, about writing about that. And, 
it's like you said, um, there's something about going into those little details that seem very personal or seem very specific to us that somehow opens into something that's actually universal. And yeah, yep. it seems like you, you're really good at finding those little places where you can um, tap the, the depths, um, those surprising places that you wouldn't think that you'd be able to go in from there. Mm-hmm. But you can. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like, it makes me, it's a random correlation, but hearing about some a, a older friend of my, my fiance's, and father figure had a heart attack and had they're like they did the surgery through his his like hand or his arm or something through a little microscopic and it's kind of a weird (laughs) but it's like the feeling like you just could do a little thing on your wrist here with a little prick here and little do you know is going in and like you know surgery on your whole heart but oh wow that kind of thing of like you're talking about these shoes that you know your dad had by the door or something and it just brings up brings into yourself into um so many layers of things that could be stories in there yeah or your bangs in seventh grade (laughs) but then also claiming like what i would write on these what i would write on my walls would be and like the idea of like claiming what what do you really want to say what do you need people Mm -hmm. to know Mm, yeah Wow. I guess, wow. What do you need people to know? I wasn't even thinking of it that way when I wrote it, but it's perfect because then it becomes an accidental doorway into um, what that actually would be in the most yes. honest sense. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Wow. So I guess I would want to tell people to come as they are exactly as they are with. Yeah their perceived flaws and imperfections and to just know that they are, I use the word Buddha, but (laughs) you could use any, you could use many other words there, but they are that, um, you know, the divine child or the perfection or whatever you want to call it right now in this moment, in this, in this appointment with life that is right now. Right. And there's no, you know, because sometimes those thoughts of what's not right or what's not perfect yet can get in the way. And um, I guess, yeah, that's what I would want to tell people is that, you know, this is it right now and just come as you are. Kurt Cobain. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so good grateful for the work you're putting into the world. Yeah. What do you want people the most to get from your book? Oh, I want them to Hmm, I want them to not only know that they can come as they are right now in terms of you know staying open to life saying yes to this this moment of life and deeply engaging with life um but that 
even whatever those things are that are holding them back or that they perceive to be a flaw or even something shameful or something to hide, um, that they're there are ways that we can tend to those parts too and find that they actually contain our greatest treasure oftentimes when we bring them into the light and mm. um and what's really an this, example oh, an example um oh that's a good question i'm trying to think of something really honest um an example of that I mean really I'm um I'm kind of coming out of the closet as an artist and a writer right now Mm. and it's it's a weird dance to do as as a therapist also because we're trained to be really private about our right our lives and our stuff and any you know to not have um any part of our public persona be anything that could ever make anyone feel any kind of way or that could um, have any impact on any clinical relationship. And um, it's not that I would go into the creative space intending to make something that's going to shock or offend someone, (laughs) but there's something about that space that requires kind of letting all the external concerns go because you don't know where you're going to go and you have to just allow that total freedom to whatever needs to happen is going to happen and then later you can concern yourself with what you're going to do with the like quote products of being in that creative space (laughs) right right Um, but it's taken me a long time to to reconcile those those identities and to do it in a way that feels like um, I'm maintaining the utmost integrity of both, um, both the, the healing clinical work I'm doing with people, but also the writing and the writing really honestly and the deep self-revelation that can happen by accident in writing. Um, I'm really, I'm really calling all of that into the light now and just Mm. saying like, this is what it is. Like this is, this has been a struggle and a journey and, um, it won't always be perfect. It'll be a little messy and a little weird sometimes, but I'm figuring it out. And this is, this is what's true about me. Yeah. Good for you. Oh, thank you. That's got to be a mixture of in thrill, thrilling and, and, and exciting and also exhausting in some ways, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's a lot, you know. It's a so lot, yeah. Even just one of those jobs is a lot. I don't, I don't know if people realize. <laughs> um, but yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we're we're coming up on the end of our conversation pretty soon here. And um, one of the things I had wanted to ask you, feel free to answer this as, as thoroughly or as minimally as you feel inspired. Um, but I'm just curious what your 
advice would be to a new author um, or to anyone who is mm. stepping into owning their creative side or their inner artist. Um, I guess I'm asking for myself, but I'm also yeah. asking for, for, um, for my listeners who are, who are going to tune in. Um, well, thank you first of all so much for having me on. I really, it's an honor and really wonderful to, to spend some time talking with you. Of course. And um, I think one of the things is as far as putting a book into the world, it's like it, it has a life of its own and letting it mm. like it's, it's yours until, it, and then once it's published, it's, it's for the world to have their own relationship with it. And so to, to love it all the way through, it's, it's arrival and then setting it free and loving it with a slight mm. bit of distance. Like I kind of felt like my books as intimate as they are, they have more energy than I do and they're <laughs> going to have their own adventures out in the world and, and being other, other families, you know, part of other families. And, um, mm. and I would say, for the new artist make just to make make don't make to finish stuff mm-hmm. um, make to to create for for your sake of letting it feel letting yourself feel better doing it mm-hmm. and see as much as you can to get your hands and you know it, get your body the physicality of creating is so important whether mm-hmm. really notice does it feel good to work outside like i'd rather be cold and in like fingerless gloves working outside on something than i would be in a mm. warm living room I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm energized by like outdoor energy. Mm. So paying attention to the kind of the air, the ways that, um, what, what things you can do for yourself to set yourself up for a successful creative experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so valuable. Good. Oh. Yeah, something you said yeah. reminded me of. <laughs> I'm just riffing with what you're saying and just telling yeah. you what this is honestly um, inspiring in me. But um, when you said, do the books have a life of their own and they're going to go on their own journey through the world? It reminded me of this is a silly detail going back to childhood again for some reason. Yes. Um, I I used to make little books by hand when I was a little girl and I'd I'd bind them with ribbons and I'd illustrate them and I'd oh. write them. And one of the first books I ever made, this is really silly, but it was about it was about a little doll who had a life of her own and she it's like a beatnik doll who would hop freight trains and ride awesome. all around the country. <laughs> and I think I think it was called Stacy Dolly. Um, yes, Stacy <laughs> Dolly. Um, and it's like it's like that's the that is the spirit of a of a book. Really, is yeah. this? It has its own voice. Yes. and it goes on freight trains and it rides around and has its own adventures so I think kids are so intuitive I hope I'm always hoping to reclaim the things that I knew when I was a kid yeah yeah oh I love that metaphor yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking it's, it's when you meet people that have similar, you think similar energies, you think, oh, I just wish we knew each other when we were little. We probably would have played together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want to play make-believe? Okay, let's play make-believe. <laughs> That's so funny. Before our conversation, I was a little nervous and I just had this flash of intuition or a vision of my inner child saying hello to your inner child. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's just Sabrina. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Oh. Yeah. I sent Sean a picture of uh, something came up in my memories of a picture of me when I was probably about five or six. And I said, just send him a picture of me at that age just saying, you know, hi, my name's Sabrina and I want to play and I want to love you forever. Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my God. So, it's important to remember we are just these little, we are so close to that age, ultimately in the big scope of time. Mm, yeah. That little person is so close to us yeah. all the times right there. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm going to start okay. answering the phone in the same way that I did as a kid. Um, How I, was that? I used to say, salutations. What's your favorite color? Awesome. <laughs> um, Mine's Prussian blue. What's yours? Today, it's chartreuse. Oh. <laughs> okay. I think. What is it really? Uh, carmine. Oh, what color is that? It's like a deep, rich red. Carmine? Carmine? It's a type of pigment. I don't know. Anyway, I realize um, we're coming right up on your yes. car stop here. So thank you. Um, I just want to thank you so much for for your time. This conversation has been a treasure. And, yeah. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the summer storm. Yes, mm -hmm. I will. And I look right. forward to seeing your book and celebrating that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on so much. And um, oh, you're so welcome. And I and I can be on people. You know where to tell people to look for me is on Instagram or. TrueLivingExperience.info for sure. Or Sabrina Ward Harrison.info. Okay, well, thank you. Thank so, you so, so much. much again. Yes, I'll I'll be you know following what you've got going on, so I'm sure we'll cross yes. paths again. Absolutely. <laughs> where do you, Where do you live? I live in Northern California, so I was thinking. Oh, I hope she does a True Living Experience oh, yeah. here one day. What? Where in Northern California? Sonoma in Greenville oh, yeah. in the forest. Yes, my dear, friend, <laughs> dear friends that live in that area, I'm sure we'll meet then because I'll definitely be coming out there at some point. Oh, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Elise. Have You're a good day. You're so welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Artists of Late Capitalism, a podcast dedicated to deep, transformational, and thought-provoking conversations with modern producers of the arts about the perils faced by the arts in this historical moment, referred to as late capitalism, and about the importance of staying tight with instinct and soul on the artist path. 
If you liked this episode, feel free to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, or leave a comment. This is Annalise Oatman. It's been my pleasure to be your host, and we'll see you next time.